Away they go. No problems with the start. There is two one hundred in the second inning. Gary Hall Jr., the extrovert, and Ian Thorpe battling it out down the pool. Thorpe is starting to go away from him. everyone and welcome back to a very special edition of off the block swimming podcast a show where we will preview the upcoming tokyo olympics and give you all the information you need to know when the action kicks off in the pool in just a matter of days helping me go through all of the events again and give his expert opinions is former short course world record holder and world champion now successful coach and commentator bobby hurley bobby here we go again mate are you ready to kick things off yeah, love the women's preview. Let's do it again on the men's side. Let's do it again. Mate, me and you could talk all day, honestly. We, <laughs> we could. We were busting to go to the toilet. We sat down and talked for that long. So um, You might I, lose some listeners, though. <laughs> <laughs> hey, they're not worth having. If they can't listen to me and you <laughs> chat about swimming, they're not worth having. Um, we'll continue, obviously, uh, you know, to preview the men's. Um, obviously there's going to be some discussion for everyone listening and we're going to sort of earmark some of the big players that we think will be stamping their mark on the event. Um, we're not going to be doing the whole gold, bronze and silver and, and dark horses. That's going to be something we're going to put out on social media a little bit later. Mate, are you ready to rock and roll? Let's do it. Let's do it. So we're going to kick off on Sunday. Um, again, uh, finals will be uh, at 11.30, um, Sydney, uh, Melbourne, even Brisbane time now because we're all in the same uh, timeline. Kickoff men's 400 IM. What do you got? Um, I've got Daisetto. I think, you know, Japanese hero. Um, he's won three of the four last world championships and he's been 406.0, I think it was, it was last year or something. So... Um, you know, he's had some controversy lately and he's, he hasn't swam quick through this pandemic period. But I think, and knowing Dyer, he, he would have put in a huge training camp through this last three or four month period. He's been at altitude. He attacks these longer races. He goes hard from the start. He's going to be leading and he's going to be very difficult to beat. And he's capable of going that 406 sort of time where, yeah. you know, everybody else is trying to battle to get under 410. So, the only guy that can go with him is, is Chase Kalish from America. Um, you went 409 at the trials last month, which is which is not great. He's, he's been 405.9 before, but it was a couple of years ago. Um, I think Seto and Kalish will be will be well ahead and, and it'll be a really big scrap for, for, for bronze. Um, there's a lot of guys that are around that 409, 410, um, including Brendan Smith from Australia, who's going to be a rookie. At his first Olympics, he went 4.10 flat at, at the trials. Um, but I'm going to take uh, Jay Litherland from the US to get the bronze medal. He's he's really quick on that freestyle leg. He, he loves chasing home people. He'll be coming from behind. Um, and he's been 4.09 plenty of times in his history. And I'm with you with first and second. Selfishly, I'm going to throw in Lewis Clairbert for, for third from New Zealand. I've had him on the podcast and a good mate of mine. We have a lot of banter on, on the DMs as well. 
Um, great kid, uh, hard worker. Gary Hollywood's his coach and, and done a great job over there in New Zealand. Um, he is the bronze medalist, I think, from the world mm. champs where you were at. So um, I, I think we, you know, we could see him snatching a, a bronze there. Yeah, the, the 400 I am at, at world Olympic level, it's, it's a weird one because at Worlds, it's on day eight. So everybody's extremely tired and generally it's a, it's a slowish race, mm. whereas at the Olympics, it's a day one and everybody's fresh and, and ready to go. So, so Claire Burt got third two years ago going 4-12. You know, he's probably going to have to go 4-12 to make the final. And I think he's already improved on that this year. So, so definitely anybody who can go sub 4-10 in the final is, is going to be scrapping for that bronze. Yeah, I think uh, he went 409, I think, at his trials. So, yeah, he's definitely under that 410 mark. As we move, mate, onto the men's 400-metre freestyle, we come in with, obviously, Elijah Winnington um, in red-hot form off trials. He's, he's the favourite. He's coming with that 342. Um, Deddy, you've got McLaughlin, obviously, who um, yeah, 43, 343 at trials. Rapsies, um, even Kieran Smith there from America with 343 at his trials. You know, he can probably get a little bit quicker than that. What do you see in here? Yeah, um, I'll start by saying I love the 400 freestyle. It's my favourite event. I, in a, everybody remembers me as a short course sprint backstroker, but in a previous life, I was a, <laughs> I was a mid-distance and distance freestyler, and, and, and I just love what the 400 brings. It's, it's always on the first day of every competition. So, you know, there's a level of uncertainty between around how everybody's going to perform on, on day one. Is everybody ready in the heat? And then who's going to battle it for the final? And there's so many different ways to swim it. We could see guys go out under 150, or we could see everybody sit back and, and try and negative split the race like, like Matt Corden and Sun Yang have done the last couple of years. Mm. So without those two guys for different reasons, it's a whole new ball game. Like, again, it's one of these events where there's no established racer or winner competing in this one. Um, the Aussies, Winnington and McLaughlin come in one and two. After a quick trials, um, you know, Elijah Winnington's never even swam at a world championships before, let alone an Olympics. So how he's going to thrive or survive under this environment, we don't know. But, you know, he is Titmus's training partner. He does have Dean Boxall as a as an ace up his sleeve. And Jack McLaughlin, he's, he's been around and he's, he's performed at a Pampak Commonwealth Games level. But two years ago in Guangzhou, he just didn't look like he had the class to go with the guys that can go. 342 and 343 when it when it really matters so um you know i'm really looking forward to this because they're going to be there the aussies i don't see them i don't see both of them getting on the podium i think it's going to be very tough for one of them to win um the danger the dark horse i've got is is maliutin from russia um he's got a great last 100 meters he he's really got a strong back end of that race and he does negative split that um, those 400. So, so he went 344, won at, at Euros. And I think he went 152 and 150 point coming home. So, you know, Elijah's got, if Elijah, again, if he can PB, if he can go 342 low, then, then I think he wins mm. um, comfortably. But, but if it's a battle at 342 high, 343, then, then I think Mal Uten comes into it. Um, Gabriel Deddy from, from Italy's been on every podium the last five years as well. Um, and Kieran Smith from America, he's he's the guy demolishing all the short course yards records um, over in the US. Um, he won the 200 and 400 free at, at US trials untouched without getting pushed. He's like six foot six, got a ridiculous distance per stroke. So, um, and we know the Americans are prepared to step up under pressure. So, 
he's he's going to be a threat as well. But but this is just going to be a cracking race. I'm just going to watch it as a fan, really. <laughs> well, the other thing, just touching on the Americans, there's no doubt that they're going to sort of play an underdog card coming into these games because they're probably not, other than obviously your Ledeckis, uh, Caleb Dressel and Lily King, they're probably not the big names that you're used to coming in. Probably the the medal hall, probably tally uh, prediction isn't as high as it normally is. You know they're definitely probably going to play that card of, of, you know, people don't think you can do it. And there, there's an expectation to rise to those levels that Michael Phelps did, um, you know, yeah. before them. Yeah, you're exactly right. I'll start by saying they absolutely love being the underdog <laughs> and putting the pressure on Australia yeah. or everybody else because they're used to these high-pressure environments. They're used to every American swimmer that I know is, is, is waiting for the opportunity to, to do something crazy, to, to celebrate on the lane rope, to win out of lane eight. Like They thrive on that mm-hmm. in the college environment and it just carries over into long-course swimming. But you're right in saying that you take, on the men's side, if you take Caleb Dressel out of that men's team, there's no gold medal favorite there. Mm. You know, there's no one who, who you go, that's that's going to win. They don't have Phelps. They don't have Lochte. You know, these guys, those two have carried a bigger legacy than Thorpe and Hackett have in Australia because they're around for five Olympics. You know, Thorpe yeah. went to two and Phelps went to, to five. There's no yeah. Nathan Adrian. There's no Matt Grievers. So, like, you know, Phelps was normally just just the lay down two or three individual gold medals at every Olympics. They don't have that anymore. So, there's a bit of vulnerability there on the men's team that we haven't seen before, and we'll get stuck into that when we talk about relays. Mm. But but you've got your Michael Andrews, you've got Chase Kalish, Ryan Murphy, you've got people that that want to step up and take that mantle as well. But there's a lot of talent in the rest of the world this year. Mate, absolutely. We move on to the men's 200-metre freestyle. That's on day two of the finals. Um, actually, I take it back. We've moved too far ahead. We're going to go the men's 100 breaststroke. I I skipped one ahead. Men's 100 breaststroke. We could skip it because Adam Peaty's just going to absolutely smash this one out of the park. You would assume. But, you know, 56.8 as a world record swim, no one else has broken 58. Um, uh, Well, I think one guy, I think the the Dutch guy, Kaminga, has been 57.9 maybe. So um, He did, yes. He went out of trials. Yeah, you'd expect Petey, you know, looking at his Instagram and other things, he, he looks in shape. He, he did have a baby. He, he and his partner had a baby last year. So that's, you know, from our experience, mate, that, that's definitely one thing that could throw your preparation. I did mention um, that in my chat with him. I said, mate, lipid yeah. preparation, you having a baby. What what are you what are you doing to yourself? Well, I don't think it's... they planned it. <laughs> no, yeah, I didn't want to say that. Yeah, no, but yeah, <laughs> I don't but... think they did. <laughs> But look, Petey's, you know, he's so dominant in this event. Um, you'd be crazy to bet against him. Um, what's going to be more important or what, what's going to be more exciting to watch Petey is how he performs on the mixed medley relay and, and the men's medley relay to, to, to get his boys and get his team up for that. And, you know, the, the British team, the men's side seems to have really gelled together and they've got to focus around these relays too. Mm. So, so the men's British team is, is really a, a team on the rise and a team to watch, but I ex- everybody expects Peter to, to smash this one through. And, and um, again, it's just going to be touch and go for those minor medals. Um, Michael Andrews, you know, always been on the radar as um, since he was a youngster and, and, and now he's a legitimate medal hope and, and, and he'll start gold medal favorite in the 200 IM and, and then you've got Kaminga, Martinegi, and 
um, Shamanovic from from Belarus as well. So I think Kaminga's been so consistent the last two years that he should find himself on on at least one breaststroke podium mm-hmm. next week, maybe two, because he's been 58 lows, 57s and 206s so consistently. But, you know, Michael Andrews probably got a little bit more star power than him. Another one just to keep an eye out, James Wilby as well from Great Britain. And, you know, to your point with, with Adam Peaty, there's no doubt he's a, uh, you know, he's an ultimate competitor. Uh, there's no doubt he's going to come out and want to shock the world. I think he's always had that sort of mindset. I remember talking to him about, you know, you're the fastest ever. Where's your motivation? He's like, well, I want to go faster than that. It's like, wow, okay, that's <laughs> that's a lot of motivation. Like, there's not many people that would think like that. Like, you know, for me, for example, you know, if I'm the fastest ever, I'll just go out in the pub, I'll enjoy myself, I'm going <laughs> to kick back and say, I did it. But now he's like, well, I want to go faster than that. I want to post a time that no one's ever going to touch. Not only mm. that, though, I think he's the ultimate teams man, to your point, with, with the Great Britain team. We're going to get to it in a second, not so much with a 4 by one freestyle, but also with the IM relay. You know, if there's one thing that he loves more than that, it's, it's racing with his teammates as well. Yeah, and, and, you know, that's what we saw in Guangzhou with, with the, the men's medley relay team getting up to, to win, you know, and it, it was off the back of, of Petey and Duncan Scott. But, you know, again, with what we, what we see with, with these dominant swimmers, like, to me, obviously, Adam Petey will go down as the best sprint breaststroker in history. Mm-hmm. Is he the best breaststroker in history? Like, Kitajima got four individual gold medals. Petey's got one. You know, yeah. he's trying to go for number two. Kitajima got multiple medley relay Olympic medals to his name as well. Like, I think I would have loved to have seen Petey swim the 200, you know, just for a legacy point of view. Can can he compete with those guys? Can he train at that level? Um, You know, we'll see what he can do in in the relays. But I think, you know, we're looking at Petey winning his second Olympic gold medal individually. Like, Phelps has got about 15 of those. So <laughs> it's hard to compare. No, I'm not taking a knock at the bloke no, or anything I know what like you mean. that. But, <laughs> but he's obviously going to get the job done individually. He, his legacy is going to be how he lifts his teammates and how these medley relays go by doing some ridiculously crazy breaststroke splits and, and getting them onto the podium or on top of the podium. And um, that could be his greatest impact, you know. Absolutely. Mate, the men's four by one freestyle relay. Uh, again, you know, just looking at, at the lineup, obviously America, obviously Australia, um, Chuck Ray Britain in there as well. How do you see this one going down? Oof. This one surprises at every Olympic since Australia won it in 2000. You know, that was an upset. The South Africans in 04, um, you know, the Americans and, and Lee Zach in 08. Then you got the French in 2012 and then the Americans again five years ago. So, you know, they the Americans probably start as favourites. Again, it's the, f- the first time in a long time that Phelps won't be on that relay, that Adrian won't be on that relay, but they've got Dressel, you know. Mm. And their biggest advantage is they lead Dressel off and his start is so much better than everybody else's. So he'll come up close to a body length ahead of, of everybody else. So, like, there's no point putting Dressel on a relay changeover because his his flat start is too good. So they'll be they'll be ahead. Whether they can hold off the other teams, to me, the biggest threat's Russia. Um, you know, they they you've got mul- they've got four guys that have been forty eight oh or better this year, um, and they Kolesnikov and they're forty seven three. Yeah, Kolesnikov, you know, freestyle backstroker, and 
he's again he's racing consistently at Russian trials at Euros. He's going fast in heat semifinals in every single race. So, you know, he's going to be there. You've got Minikov, another young guy, and then you've got obviously Morozov. Grinev was third two years ago in Guangzhou individually. You've got Relov, who's split forty-seven low on relays before. So, um, you know, I think the men's Russian team is is really strong, and we'll no doubt be talking a lot about them, but. America probably start favourite, and again they love their relays. They're proven in their relays, but Russia will be on their tail. And I think I think it's a battle between Great Britain, Australia, and and I think Italy for, for third. But I think it's a two horse race for gold. Mate, we move over now to you know getting back to what I said before the men's two hundred <laughs> meter freestyle. Um, again, you know the the more I don't want to sound like a broken record, but the more we go through these lists. Uh, the more mouthwatering just watching these races gets. Um, obviously, we know that Kyle Chalmers has pulled out of, of the 200-metre uh, freestyle. Elijah Winnington is still in there and, um, you know, hasn't gone that that slow himself, went 145 at trials. Um, Raps, he's Duncan Scott. I've had him on the podcast as well, and and he's, he's the ultimate competitor and a great guy. Love spending time with him. you got Tom Dean. Um how do you see this one going? Again, Kieran Smith as well from America. Yeah, it's like the 400. It's it's an open race. It's an open field. Sun Yang's out, you know, yep. Olympic champ, um, two-time defending world champ in the 200 freestyle. He's gone. So, you know, um, Rapsis won two years ago and got disqualified. And Rapsis, is, he's been 144 a couple of times, but he hasn't looked so good in the last 12 months, in, in my opinion. But in 2019, you would have you would have given this one to, to Rapsis. Mm. But, um, you know, for so long, guys were just going 145s. 145 would always get you on a podium. Um, I think Chad got second five years ago going 145 too. Like, just this year, you've seen all these guys go 144. There's, there's a teenage kid from Korea go 144.9. There's the two Great Britain guys scott and dean there's the japanese guy matsumoto racing at home mal Yuton for russia raps is like everybody now so you might not need to go 140 45 low to make the final you know and 144 to medal obviously so there's all those guys that i mentioned that the, the biggest spanner in the works is this 16 year old kid from romania popovici mm-hmm. you know he went chlorine daddy seven yeah, Chlorine Daddy on Instagram. What a and, name. Um, How about the confidence yeah. of yourself to call yourself Chlorine Daddy? Now, there's a kid who's going places. Exactly. <laughs> I, I agree. Like, you know, we both watched his his interview with, with Hawkey mm-hmm. and the composure and the humbleness, yet the confidence that he can win big races was, like, eye-opening for me. Um, you know, remind you know, it just looks like a teenager in Thorpe pre-2000, the way mm-hmm. he was conducting himself. So, you know, he's quick over 100. This will be his first individual event. And a couple of weeks ago, European juniors, he went 145-2 in the semi fairly comfortably. And then in the final, he had a 53 10 minutes before and went 145-9 in, in that final. Again, without getting pushed or anything. But he's he's got the potential to go 143. Mm-hmm. That's That's what I'm saying. Who else can go 143? I'm not sure. Can, can Duncan Scott just go out fast and go for it and try and hold on? You know, Tom Dean's got some front-end speed as well. But, you know, it, it could it, it should be a quicker race now because most people should be out 50.7 or quicker. 
But yeah. this Popovici guy, like we don't know anything about him, but he could just turn 49-5 and go 27-0, 27-0, win by one second. Or he's 16, he could miss the final. Like <laughs> We don't know. So, um, you know, on the Australian side, I think Winnington and Tom Neal, um, very good up-and-comers, but they've got some work to do to, to be top eight in this event. Mate, uh, you know, absolutely. And I think, you know, to your point, um, in terms of going faster, we heard Ian Thorpe come out uh, within the last nine months or whatever and, and sort of mention that he thought people were racing this event incorrectly. You know, they, they should be pushing a little bit harder. They should be getting out a little bit faster. They should be, you know, putting themselves under the pump a little bit more than they are. Do you think we're going to see that this time around? Do you think well, we're going to see people push that envelope a little bit? I'll pull you up there. I know I know Thorpey a little bit, but I don't know what he, he said. The, like everybody agreed with what he said, but you look at Thorpey's splits. When he went 144.0, he split 51.0 and then went like 20, 26 high, 25 high on the way back or something something stupid. So you're like, yeah. <laughs> you know, sorry, Thorpey, but you never split under 50.5 in a 200 freestyle ever. Um, but you know the comments the I'm talking about, obviously. You, I, you, I, know what, I, <laughs> I know what you're talking about, but it was contradictive because when Thorpey went 144 low, he didn't go out fast. He back-ended it because mm. he was a 400-meter swimmer. It's silly. <laughs> so five years ago, Chad out of lane one goes out 50.2, and everyone went, oh, my God, Kamikaze, like, he's an idiot. He could have won if he swam that better. But 50.2s that's what everybody should be going out you mm. know the, the the weird thing chad went out 23 3 at the 50 that's what that's what hurt him <laughs> and speaking to him after is he just he just said it was too easy i just went out 23 3 so yeah, it's always um, easy isn't it it always feels easy yeah yeah <laughs> I mean, and, he, and he did hang on for second you know but yeah, yeah. he was inexperienced in, in how to swim that 200 freestyle but you know now you got duncan scott Popovici and a few of these other guys that can go 47 off a flat start or 48 low like the Americans can and, and Rapsies and a few others, they should be all out 50-point low. Does someone want to risk it and go out 49-5? Does Duncan Scott want to risk it and try and dominate this race or does he want to try and beat him on the back end? You know, he's probably the one with, with an option of how to swim this. This is why I think Kyle Chalmers could have been so good because he, he could have been able to split 49-5, but Obviously, there's a lot of race experience that needs to come into play then. And I think James Magnuson, back at his peak, I think could have gone a 143 high, 144. Again, with, with, a, with a bit of race experience, but getting out 49.5 comfortably, mm. PB plus two, and then bringing it home off that. But um, we'll see. It's going to be exciting, you know, going to be good. Hey, we'll move to the men's 100-meter backstroke. Um Again, you, you look through the field, Rilov, uh, Kleshnikov, Ryan Murphy, Mitch Larkin, Hunter Armstrong had a pretty good race at the US trials. How do you see this one? Well, Murphy is the, the, the Olympic champ five years ago, the world record holder, but, but he's been beaten man-to-man -man in these last two world championship finals. So, you know, Zhu from China has won the last two. Not in the fastest time. Zhu goes better in a semi-final or on his own in China. So I say that Zhu doesn't swim quick under pressure, but he has won the last two world titles. So it's a bit contradictive. Yeah. And the Russians, like, you know, I, I know some of these Russian guys and, and I've got a high opinion of them. Rilov, who's, who's probably more suited to the 200, but has been 51.9 leading off a mixed medley relay before, which is an unofficial time. But, mm. you know, he can do something around that world record. And then Kolesnikov is the one 
who could blow this out of the park. Like he's been, he's multiple world record holder in the 50 backstroke now, 23.8. Like Murphy, Relov, Ju, these guys, just Mitch Larkin, they just don't have that sort of speed. So he could turn 24.8 and, and back end this thing. Like he's got the potential to go 51.5 um, and go 52 low no matter what. So, but he is the youngest of them all. And, and, you know, he doesn't have the muscles of Ryan Murphy and he doesn't have the, the Olympic medals of, of Relov and Larkin and whatnot, but he's a very confident kid. And we've been waiting for this rise from Kleshnikov for the last couple of years. I, I'll tell you a story. I, I, I retired in, well, I stopped swimming in 2016, coach Chad and Cameron, and then um, had, had a comeback at the end of 2017 to, to try and make com games. I went over to, I did a few World Cup races, went over to Russia to race at the St. Petersburg Cup around Christmas time, 2017, thinking that I can win, you know, 100 backstroke, me up against the Russians. Um, there's a bit of prize money on the line. Short course, I'm pretty good at that. Mm -hmm. I'm next to Kolesnikov. He's only 17 at the time. He's taller than me, six foot five, got no muscle on him. You know, races with the with the with the cross around his neck and his hair coming out of his cap like just a typical teenage kid mm. and he beat me by again he beat me by three seconds and he broke the world record and went 48 8 and i went 51 but behind the blocks i'm thinking i'm gonna beat him and he just absolutely wallops me and yeah. you know from that point i was like well that hasn't happened to me many times in my career. Number one, this kid's really good. Number two, my time is over and I need to retire. <laughs> and, uh, and I did that a couple months later. But um, he's the real deal and this could be a huge breakout swim for, for Clement Klesnikov. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I've, uh, I've got the same feeling in that event. I think he's, he's going to come home with the gold. Um, we'll move on. We'll go to the next day. We've got the men's 200-meter butterfly. Um, you look at obviously Chad Leclerc, Milak, uh, Seto. Um, obviously for the Aussies, we've got, you know, David Morgan and Matthew Temple. I'll get to Matthew Temple a little bit later because I'm a big rap on him. Not so much mm. in this event though. Um, David Morgan, I, I love everything he does. He's a battler and I, I absolutely love his last turn, how he can get off the wall and uh, rip that, <laughs> that almost 15 meters underwater off the last turn in the 200. But how do you see this event going? This is this is all Christoph Milak. Um, you know, smashed Michael Phelps's world record in Korea two years ago, one fifty point seven. Like he could and should win this event by two or three seconds. Um, he's already done multiple one fifty ones this year as well. So he's completely untouchable in this event. And and again, one of these European junior superstars coming through, along with Kalashnikov, Minikov, Popovici, like. Mm -hmm. We're really seeing a resurgence in, in Sounds European like commentating a right soccer now. game here, mate. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> I mean, when we lived in this Phelps and Thorpe era that we've grown up in, mm. we're not used to these guys. You know, we had Band and Hugo Band, but we're not used to these European countries producing absolute superstars. You got Paltineri, you got Wellbrook, um, Kaminga. Like, it's they're, they're really coming. Whether the rest of the world is falling back, but the Europeans as as a continent are um, producing some fast swimming. So I think Mil Milak kills this one. Um, he could potentially go really good in other events too, the 200 free, the, the 100 fly, the, the relays for Hungary. But this is his event to lose and, and he'll get the job done, I'm sure. Um, I think Seto, 
should be in good enough form to, to get silver. Um, he's been under 154 many times, um, and he should be just ahead of that that next sort of level, which is Leclo, um, Bedisso from Italy has been 154s, Kenderesi and the Japanese, and a lot of these guys can go 154s, but they're probably going to have to dip into 153s to to get the bronze behind Milak and Seto. The one thing just quickly on um, Chad Leclerc, who, as you know, I've had him on the podcast as well. Great chat. We, we chatted for ages and uh, very animated, especially when I talked about, you know, retirement and stuff like that. And he's, you know, mm. arced up and basically said, no one's going to retire me. I'll retire when I want to retire. And, and he, he certainly, you know, talked the talk and pumped himself up. And I love him. As you get older, though, this event, is this, this, is, this is not an easy event. As you get older, no offense to the older statesmen, but they tend to work more in the shorter distances because the the training time and all the you know the training and, and the effort required putting in is a little bit less of a load given everything else going on mm. in your life. How do you think it stacks up for someone like Chad Leclerc, who I'm back and I love him. I think he'll get a medal here. Is it harder than everybody else though? Those younger whippersnappers coming up. Yeah, Chad's Chad's the ultimate competitor. Just competitive in everything you do, whether it's eating, playing cards or, or of course, you know, swimming, which is the thing that is the best that, you know, I spoke to him after Milag went 150 in, in Korea and, you know, he, he, he's animated, he arcs up and, and he wants, he wants the fight, you know, like he wants the challenge. That's, that's what he made him famous when he beat Phelps and nobody thought he could do it. But this one's just not realistic for him anymore. You know, yeah. he, he hasn't broken 154 since 2017. He's, he's, he's getting over 25 now, which is where you get those, those injuries and those niggling injuries. And, you know, that he normally does most of his training in Turkey and there's COVID and travel. There, there's so many different factors there, but, you know, you can never write off a guy like Chad, but, but he's just not in the conversation to win goals, you know, yeah. like he, he wouldn't want to listen to that, but he just not, he's willing, you know, he'd be happy to prove it, prove me wrong, but you know, he, he's always a chance to get on the podium. More often than not, Chad's on the podium. Like, when do you yeah. ever see Chad not on the podium in, exactly. in any sort of level of... Well, look at that 200 freestyle. Um, yeah, exactly. And he's got the X factor where he can do something absolutely wild. And he will lead this out. He will lead Milak at the 100. He will go for it. He'll go out yeah. 52 low. He doesn't care because he's he he's going to train and race as if he's going to beat Milak and, go, and break the world record even though he's probably going to die a lot on the last 50. <laughs> yeah. but the thing that's the thing that you love about him is that he's going to put him in a self, himself in a position to win. He's yeah. not going to race for third. He's racing for first and he might get second or third, you know? Yeah. So, you know, Chad's, Chad's got some obviously amazing sprint ability as well, but he hasn't been able to focus on that because he's been, because he loves the 200 butterfly. But he has said that this will be his last, last go at the 200 fly. And then, then he'll come down and do the 100 freestyle individually, which should be exciting to watch. Yeah. Well, mate, as you said, he, he gets animated. He gets pumped. He pumped me up. I got excited. I only wanted to go outside and go for a run, only that it was 10 o'clock at night that we were chatting. Um, the other good thing about Chad, just as a side note for everyone listening, he's got his own fan following called Chad's Cougars. And I just want to know how you get a, how you get a, a group following you called, you know, some are cougars. I want my own Instagram people, you know, of uh, women over 40 or 50 following me. <sighs> Robbie's Cougars, that'd be great, but he's a cheeky bastard, but I love him. Cougars. Yeah, Chad's Cougars. Have a look at it. It's an Instagram yeah. uh, page of Chad's Cougars. Uh, they love him, and who wouldn't because he's a champion. Um, we'll, we'll move on before I get myself in trouble. Four by two, um, mate, the men's four by two. 
Um, obviously, just having a look through that, you know, we touched on it before the tournament meter freestyle start list, keeping a look mm. at it. Obviously, it looks like Great Britain are in good shape. Um, you know, the Americans are going to be around. You know, the Aussies will be in a conversation. How do you see this one? Yeah, this this was my favourite race personally from from Guangzhou two years ago. Um, you know, I often just chuck the replay up because it gets me so excited. Um, you know, there were, there were le- legitimately six teams that could win it with 200 metres to go and and Matt Corden had a huge anchor split to, to win it for the Australians. But on paper, it's Great Britain with Tom Dean, um, Duncan Scott going 144s and James Guy's just a former world champion and in that event and, and a huge relay swimmer steps up every time. So they've got three really, really good legs as well as another 145 in Matt Richards. The Aussies are deep as well. They've got a bunch of 145s. Mm. But they don't have that individual standout to wipe out, to, you know, um, uh, the 144s from Great Britain and, and Russia. You know, Russia's got Mao Yudin going 144 and then a bunch of 145s. America's got four 145s. Australia's got four 145s. But that's where in this event, the 4x2 is the hardest relay to do because whilst racing the relay, you have to race your individual swim because there's more room for error in a 200 meter free mm. than it is in a 100 meter free so if you get mm-hmm. too excited you go out too fast you're really going to hurt on that last lap or vice versa if, if if you if you dive in ahead and you take it easy and you can't bring that bring that home with a little bit more speed you might find yourself with it with a slow split so you know two years ago i think the aussies had basically four 144 highs you know will they have that this year i I don't know because Clyde Lewis isn't there. Matt Corden seems to not be in the same form he was two years ago. Mm. Um, so the arrows are pointing at Great Britain and 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 I think Russia as well with off the back of Mal Uton and and they've got some depth um, with the rest of their 200 meter boys. I think it's Great Britain ahead of Russia and, and Australia and, and surprisingly America to miss the podium like they did two years ago. But you take Phelps and Lochte off this relay, it's uh, it's a whole different ball game. Sounds crazy, doesn't it? Saying you take America off the off the podium, but as you said, when you look at the the list, you look at the times, you look at the data. That's what it's sort of um, getting to. Yeah, well, well, Phelps, obviously, he's he's the goat. He was on this relay since '04. You know, you're looking at four Olympics. They won all four of them. Lochte was there with him as well. You know, it, I, it still hurts me when when uh, uh, Cleek Keller beats Ian Thorpe on that last leg. To, to win in Athens, you know, and that was Australia's race to lose there. But, you know, we just obviously Phelps individually was so good, but you forget the effect that he had on all the relays. It's something like he won something like 12 out of 14 or 15 Olympic relays that he was in. Like it's it's ridiculous, you know. Yeah. Um, and that's gone now, you know. That's gone. They don't have that. So it brings everybody else into play now. It's, it's good. It's, it's exciting. It, it sort of levels the playing field, to be honest. Well, to your point, I think we chat about this in the women's, um, just sitting down and watching great competitive racing, whether Aussies win, Aussies get beat, Aussies don't even get a medal. Just watching good racing is, is always exciting. Mm, I agree. Um, mate, for anyone listening, by the way, who just keeps hearing me say the Caucasian names, yes, you are correct. I am struggling to pronounce some of the uh, European names, hence why I let Bobby do it because he's the ultimate professional. But I try and have a little crack every now and then. So if you hear me, you know, skip past someone, you're like, hang on a second, there's a you know an Italian guy who's ranked number one. 
Yeah, I, I'm, I'm struggling a little bit, but I'll get there. Um, mate, we'll get to the men's 800-meter uh, freestyle. Um, obviously, for, for the Aussies, you've got um, Jack McLaughlin, who had a really good trials. All but, you know, probably being a little bit underwhelming, if I'm being honest. I think we probably were hoping he'd push a little bit faster, um, you know, get around that 740 and get a little bit under that, maybe even 739 and sort of set a target for everyone else. 742 is not slow, but it's probably not um, leading the pack. Um, you got Christensen, uh, Aubrey, um, Daddy's there again. How do you see this one playing out? Yeah, it's, um, you know, Jack comes in, I think, to the Olympics ranked number two in the 400 and the 800. Um, he'll also race the 1500, but I think the 800, we've got to note as well that this is a new Olympic event. It's been a world championship event for a little while, but it's a new Olympic event. Yep. And I think this suits Jack the best. I think this could be his best event and one that he could find himself on the podium in, but he's going to have to go quicker than 742 because you've got those distance boys from Europe. Again, we talk about the Europeans being strong more than 1500 meter guys but they all drop back to, to the eight and they're very good that's that's Pouchinari who's you know defending world champ Wellbrook and Romanchuk um those guys can go 740 mm. um so that's where Jack needs to get to there's a few others as well there's Deddy and, and a couple of those other guys that you mentioned um Bobby Fink from America might you know could be a, a finalist there but Pouchinari has been like 740 739 like multiple times in the last couple of years so yeah he's the one to beat but we know with Pouchinari he's, he's got no finishing kick he's, he's got no no speed to finish off with so if somebody can stay within a second of him with 50 to go like somebody like a Wellbrook then he's got this massive kick where he can come home 26 point at the end of a 1500 and um and come over the top of him so so I, I think it's pouchinary has got it deservedly has got it got a start favorite and then I'd go Wellbrook and and I'm going to tip McLaughlin to get third just ahead of ahead of Romanchuk. I think Romanchuk might be more more have his eyes on the 1500 later in the week. Mm. Well, I definitely hope Jack gets on the podium. Uh, he's he's a battler. He's a, he's a hard worker. I've had him on the podcast as well. He's a great guy and he's someone that I think anybody who is within the team or, or looks from outside in. You know, um, not that we want to see people do badly, but he's someone who you want to see him do well. He seems like a knockabout bloke who's just getting in there and, and having a crack. He's doing his best. Uh, I, I think if he gets on the podium, um, you know, a lot yeah. of people in Australia will be really happy. He, I don't know Jack personally, but from the outside, he's got a he's got an amazing story because nobody would have picked him as a 16, 17, 18 year old to make an Australian team, let alone be an elite level international swimmer. You know. Mm. You know, he only debuted on the Australian team at 21 or 22 and he's in his mid-20s now and he's still improving. So he must be able to handle work physically because I know Vince Fraley would, would be would be giving him some tough stuff for, for up to that 1,500 and, and a lot of volume. So he must be able to handle it because he's not the biggest guy, he's not the strongest guy, he's not explosive, he's he's pretty hairy all year round as well. Like he looks like, like you <laughs> he said. He did look like a bit guy. like Wolverine, yes. Yeah, and the guy just keeps doing PBs and, and, you know, I used to race some of these events and he's well and truly ahead of, of the times that I could ever achieve and I just think it's, you know, that's all coming down to, to hard work and, and dedication and he deserves everything he gets and he's Commonwealth champion, Pampac champion and it'd be great to see him on a, on a world or Olympic podium in the next couple of years or, or next week. Hey, the men's 200 breaststroke, uh, we, we chatted just before about obviously Adam Peaty in the 100. 
Um, the, the 200 almost looks like at times a different field. Um, Chipkov, obviously, he's gone 206 in the last couple of years. We know Zach Stubbley de Cook went 206-2 at trials, you know, Commonwealth record, all but a world record. Um, Sato, we, we know Matt Wilson obviously didn't have a great trials, and that's been well documented, but we also know that he's a former, um, you know, equal world record holder in this event as well. Mm. Um, so we know what his capabilities are if he's if he's right and he's ready to go. James Wilby from from Great Britain as well. Nick Fink um, went two hundred seven in his trials for America. What do you think about this one? I think this is uh, again one that you know could throw um, something unexpected at us. This one, this one on paper looks like an extremely close race, and and it probably will be close. But what people don't see is that Chupkov is the dominant swimmer in this event. He hasn't lost this race in the last five years. You know, like he, he was third in Rio as like an 18-year-old or something, and then he's won everything consistently ever since. Worlds, Euros, Worlds again, broke the world record. You know, even two years ago, Matt Wilson broke the world record in the semis. Chukov just broke it by half a second in the final. Like mm-hmm. the way he swims, he saves it all for that last 50 um, he's got the quickest last 50 in the field and he is a 58 point breast, 100 meter breaststroker too. So he can go out with them if he wants to. So he's no doubt to me that the man to beat, you know, is he in his best form right now? This and that, we don't know. He's been 269 this year, but you know, in saying that he won it convincingly, the, the Russian trials and you've got Stubbley to cook and, and Sato that are improving quickly. Um, and being down to that 206 low. But to me, Chupkov's got potential to go 205. You know, can yep. the other guys go 205? I don't know. Will, you know, the, I think the world record will go down in, in this one. But, you know, the other thing, like, after speaking with Matt Wilson a little bit and, and Stubbley, Cook and Chupkov, they're all the same age. So they all raced each other at Youth Olympics. They raced each other all through the grades and Chupkov's always beaten them, mm. you know. And I think that plays a part as to why Wilson wasn't able to beat him two years ago. And and with this, like, there's just some sort of aura around Anton Chupkov where he wins the 200 breaststroke every single time. So it's it's hard to back against him with that sort of reputation. Mm. I don't want to drag this sort of podcast on too much, but I, I do want to delve into that because I think it's interesting. That sort of champions mentality, those sort of those sort of names, and, and we, we know who they are, the Adam Peters, the Kayla Ledeckis, the Kayla Dressels, going back in time to your Susie O'Neill's, your Grant Hackett's. And, yeah. and there's doc, well-documented Grant Hackett being sick and injured at times and still stepping up and making sure that his name was still number one on that list at the end of that race. You know, what does that, how does that come down to, like, is that something that's just, do you think you're born with? Do you think you, you develop it? Do you think your coach helps it? I've been very fascinated by that because, as you said, you look at this list and, you know, the top sort of at least five or four all could be a gold medal potentially in terms of the data on the day. But to your point, if you look at Chupkov's last, you know, uh, multiple, you know, major events, when it gets down to it and everyone's, you know, throwing their punches, his punch always lands the hardest. Yeah, that's exactly right. Like what the average punter doesn't understand is what it's like when you're looking at your competitor, when you look at them in the eye, in the in the marshalling room or behind the blocks and what you're feeling is through the warm-up. And, you know, it's those, it's those competitive instincts that some people have and some people don't have. And it's very difficult to train and very difficult to change. Um, I thought I had a high opinion of myself as, as that sort of swimmer 
you know, especially at a short course level, I think I, I, I carried myself like that. And, and, and I always, you know, I'm a big fan of Kobe Bryant and Michael Jordan and, mm-hmm. and was always trying to pick up on those sort of things. And it wasn't until when I spent time in 2017 with, with Chad LeClough, Cameron Vandenberg, that, that I realized like, wow, I'm way off the mark. You know, like these guys are legitimate world record holders and Olympic champions, and I can't touch them in terms of their mindset and their competitive instincts, you know. So that was that was an eye-opener to me. And, like, you know, I went to Budapest in, in 17 with, with Chad and, you know, he looked on the first day or something, he looked over at schooling and was like, schooling just made eye contact with me. He's gone. Like he's, he's, he's not in, he's, he's out, he looks scared. And I'm like, Chad, like, whatever, like, you know, respect your opponents. Mm. He's the Olympic champ. He went 50.3, 12 months ago and he beat you. I didn't say that, but I was like, okay, well, hundred flies at the end of the week. And Chad just had at that meet, he had so much redemption on his mind and and he obviously won the 200 fly. And then, um, you know, Chad didn't have a good hundred fly at the end of the week, but schooling schooling wasn't on his game either. So it was it was one of those things where I was like, oh wow, like Chad picks up on that, you know. Mm. And then then I think back on my own career and spending time with with um with James Magison and, and training with him and, and and seeing that sort of ego and bravado and and especially in on the men's side and in certain events, like that definitely exists. And um it's hard to overcome that. Like, why do you think Phelps kept on winning? You know, mm-hmm. like in the 200 IM final in Rio, you know, he had threats from Lochte. He had Higino was the up and comer, won the 400 IM, like had been 155.0. You know, everybody was downing him and he swam quicker and everybody else swam slower. Mm-hmm. Like, how do you have that effect? When, when people raced Ian Thorpe, he swam quicker and everybody else swam slower. Like, you know, very hard to produce your best performance up against these these great type champions, in my opinion, anyway. Absolutely, mate, and a great insight. Thank you very much for that story. Um, you've led me brilliantly into the next race, and it's all about the bravado. It's all about, you know, puffing the chest out and, um, you know, showing who's who in the men's 100-metre freestyle. Um, this quite possibly could be. Um, you know, one of the races of the meet, obviously there's some mouthwatering races on the women's side as well for the men's um, one of the, you know, gold standard events, the men's hundred meter freestyle coming in red hot favorite, obviously Caleb Dressel, um, Kyle Chalmers, obviously defending champion. Um, we've already mentioned um, Kalishnikov a few times and, and he's, you know, prominently um, named here. I think he's coming in ranked third with a 47, three, um, you know, Zach Apple, uh, Duncan Scott again, um, obviously Matthew Temple. And again, um, you know, I think he's coming in rank 19th. I, I really like him in the men's 100 fly, Matthew Temple. So I'm not bagging him out. I just don't think he's going to feature here. But we know. I think Temple's, that- I think Temple's actually scratched this one and Cam McAvoy will swim it for Australia. Oh, there you go. Tem- there you go. Temple's just going to do the flies yep. and the relays. Yeah. Excellent. Well, there you go, Cam McAvoy, and what a, what a trials he had putting himself back on the map. So we'll get to that a little bit later. And obviously Popovici and, and, and the sort of uncertainty surrounding this young chlorine daddy. I love that to tag with chlorine daddy. I just wish I was, you know, sort of we are confident chlorine enough daddies, to, Robbie. We're coaches and we, we've got Yeah, kids, so but it's not the daddy. same. You know what he means when he's chlorine daddy. You know he means he owns the joint. 
You, you know what he means. Um, so, yeah, mate, mate, the men's 100 free. How do you see it? Look, all those bravado-type things and, and aura and presence and competitive instincts, Kyle Chalmers has all of those. I have such a high opinion of Kyle as, as an elite-level racer and his ability to win. Like, whenever he races 100 freestyle, this is his event. This is the one that he loves. Mm-hmm. He's going to be extremely hard to beat. Um, Dressel's fast, but Dressel's been up and down. Obviously, he's beat Kyle two years ago, went 46-9, but nobody expected Kyle to go 47-0 and, and be right next to him. So, like... I think Kyle step he rises to this occasion. He steps up to this. We know how Dressel's going to race this out fast with a killer start and turn, put his head down the last 15 metres. Like we know that. It it just depends on what Kyle and and his team of of coaches and everybody else, how have they improved his skills? Is he going to put his head down under the flags and and can he mow down Dressel? Because it's going to come down to those last 10 metres. But in saying that, two years ago, it was a two-horse race, but now you've got all these young guys, Plesnikov and, and Popovici, going 47 threes. Mm. But I don't, they're, they're a little bit too raw in, in this 100-meter freestyle final to challenge, I think, Dressel and, and, and Chalmers. So, um, you know, speaking with Maggie um, a couple of years ago, like it's an extremely difficult race to execute under pressure. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you... You, a couple of years ago, you had Condorelli go out like 22-2 and Morozov's been out 21-9 of the feet before. Like anything can happen. There's there's a lot of – it's the, the event with the biggest waves. There's more waves in the, coming off that turn than, than any other event. So um, it's extremely difficult to execute your best race in a men's 100-meter freestyle final, but but Dressel and Chalmers have proven themselves to do it again. And, and I think if, if Kyle can go back-to-back, he's – like Ian Thorpe status in Australia, um, especially on a, on a swimming perspective. Um, I don't know about, you know, sponsorship wise and socially and everything else, but, but he will go down as, as one of our champions to go back to back in probably the hardest event to win. So um, I'm cheering for Kyle all the way. And, and I've got faith that, that he can win this. Interesting sort of, um, you know, sort of comment around Kyle is that, for whatever reason, he always seems to be the underdog. I know, um, yeah, if you look back to 2016, he was the ultimate underdog. And, you know, obviously just following those games, you know, he you know, obviously swam really well in the heats. And then even for me just watching, I was like, well, he can't do that in the semis. And then he did the exact same race plan and, and did well in the semis. And I was like, well, there's no way he's going to do that race plan and win the final. Well, he, might get a, he might get a podium spot, maybe third, well done, but he's not going to win. And then he executed and did it again. It's funny we come into these games in terms of obviously with Australia, we're all about Kyle, but in terms of the world attention, it's interesting that he comes in again, sort of probably people thinking, well, he is really good, but he's probably not going to beat, you know, Caleb Dressel because he's the best. Well, that's it. On, on paper, you know, our women's side is so good on paper. Our men's side, not as good. Kyle doesn't even come in ranked first, second or third in the world, mm. but. I guarantee you when he walks on pool deck and when he, when he lines up for the heats, he's the man in this event and it's going to be very difficult for one person to beat him. So that's all that, that aura and stuff that, that we talk about, you know, um, he just, he's got that again, what we're talking about with Popovici with that, that confidence and that humbleness, Kyle's got all of that. He's, you know, I think he's since he won as an 18-year-old, he's his coach and swimming South Australia have done a really good job to to keep him grounded, to 
to let him grow up but but also miss a couple of years and let him you know he's been injured not let him be injured but he's been injured he's mm-hmm. come back from surgeries he's had ups and downs but he's been able to do it with with some class and and um and still getting him and timing his performance for for when it really matters like he did peak in Guangzhou he peaked at the Commonwealth Games he peaked in Rio and and I back him to peak again here so um you know his dad was was an elite level athlete as well so there's there's a lot of things going for for Kyle. There's, there's not many negatives there, regardless of what times on paper are. Um, he's gonna he's gonna be very difficult to beat. Absolutely, mate. And just from a purely a coach's perspective, I'm really excited to watch just that gamesmanship between Dressel and Chalmers in terms of race plans. And you know, has one worked on his on his rate? Has one worked on his stroke length? Is one getting out a little bit quicker, but still at the same, you know, um, in terms of what they're able to come home in. I'm really excited about who's worked on. Just one thing about Dressel, though, I'll give them this. Greg Troy, and I've had him on the podcast, 68 Olympians he's coached. There's no doubt he's coming in with with some experience behind him, so he definitely knows how to get the champions up when they need to be. So to your point, I, I think this is going to be a race between two, but it's going to be something that's it's going to come down to a finger touch. Yeah, all of those things that I said, it's not to doubt. Caleb Dressel or, or, or his talent and ability and, and his achievements. It's just that I personally have such a high opinion of what Kyle can do in these big moments. So Dressel, he will start favourite. He'll start favourite in the, in the fly and the 53 as well. He's critical on the US relays. Um, he's got experience. He's dominated the last two world championships. But, you know, because of his age and everything else, he, he was in Rio as a relay swimmer where mm-hmm. they won gold. He hasn't done it individually at the Olympics before, but in saying that, there's there's potentially a little bit of pressure on Dressel because he's he's won like whatever six, seven, eight gold medals at the last two World Championships, and he starts red hot favorite in all of these races. That they're his to lose. If he loses, it's because he like the again the media and, and the US media will, will look at him like, well, Michael Phelps wouldn't have lost this. Yeah. Like, yeah. so there's there's pressure there. Like. I, I guarantee you he wishes 2019 was an Olympic year and he won like five gold medals or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, there, there's there's definitely pressure for him to, to again, seal his legacy. If he has a bad Olympics, we're not going to remember Dressel as one of the best sprinters in history. No, 100% agree. There's definitely pressure on him. America are looking at him to be the next Michael Phelps. And to your point, if he doesn't sort of step up in this Olympic Games... Uh, he, he's always going to be very much short of that. Mate, we move to the men's 200-meter backstroke. Um, obviously, we've got Rearlove, Murphy, Greenbank, um, Bryce Mefford from US as well. How do you see this one? Yeah, I think it's it's a two-horse race between Rearlove and Murphy. Um, you know, Mitch Larkin's not doing this event this year. Um, he's going to do the 200 IM, which which is directly after, so, and we'll speak about him in that event coming up. But, but Rearlove's... You know, Murphy won this five years ago in Rio. In, in Rio, Relove was was third behind Larkin and Murphy, but Relove's won the last two world championships and, and he PB'd this year already in a, in a one fifty three low, and and I think Murphy went one fifty four at his uh, at his trials and and um, I just think Relove's got the wood over Murphy over two hundred meters. Um, he's got better turns. He's he's not afraid to take it a little out a little bit harder as well. So. Um, you know, Murphy's a great racer. He, he did win three Olympic golds five years ago, but the momentum is with the Russian backstrokers mm. being Kolesnikov in the 100 and Rilov in the 200. 
coming into these games. I, I wouldn't completely rule Murphy out, but but I'm going to go real of Murphy. And, and, then, and I think it should be Green Bank ahead of a couple of others going 154 high for third. Mate, we, uh, we skip on now to the men's 200 metres IM. Uh, just coming in here with Michael Andrew, 155 at his trials. Uh, we know the hype that he, he comes in with. Uh, Seto, from a, an Australian perspective, obviously Mitch Larkin um, is coming into this event. and Probably an event he's sort of only really picked up in the last, say, four years or so in terms of he always used to race it, I think, at a, an age level and a junior level. But since, um, you know, moving um, uh, programs with St. Peter's Western, he really sort of sparked his 200 IM again. And we, we've seen him really kick on from there. Duncan Scott, obviously. Um, Chase Kalish again from America. Yeah, this one, you know, Phelps won the last four Olympics in this event. So you take him out of it. And it's completely wide open. You know, Lochte, Lochte wasn't able to, to succeed in his comeback and, and make it at this level, and, and he's obviously the world record holder. But those guys have just dominated this for a very long time. So you take them out, since 2017, it's been anybody's race. Um, you've got Seto and Kalish and even Hagino, who's, who's going to feature in this event at a home Olympics. They're more successful in the 400 IM, not really mm-hmm. focusing on the 200 IM. And then, as you mentioned with Larkin, you've seen guys drop their other events to focus on this one because it's so open and there's potential for them to win an Olympic gold medal. That being Duncan Scott, I think he's not going to swim the 100 freestyle. He's going to do the 200 free, 200 IM. Mm-hmm. Larkin's obviously sacrificed the backstroke for the IM. And, and Michael Andrews has been the surprise. He's obviously had a high level of scrutiny his, his whole swimming career, but, but keeps on stepping up and performing you know, more noted as a sprinter. He's, he's just taken these 200 IMs out incredibly fast over the first 150 metres and then dying badly on the freestyle leg but still holding on for a 155 sort of time. So can he execute that under pressure, you know, when everybody's mowing him down? Because he will lead to 150 metres. Um, but you've got great back-end swimmers like Duncan Scott, Seto, Hagino, Larkin coming for you. And the guy that I like is, is Hugo Gonzalez from Spain as well. He is improving, um, swam a great race at Euros to, to win that gold medal. And, and he's got a quick freestyle leg on him as well. So these guys can pick up two, two and a half seconds on Michael Andrew on the freestyle. So mm-hmm. he will like, look like an absolute winner over 150 metres. But I think Andrew will be on the podium. I, I don't think he can win. Um, I'm going to go with, with Duncan Scott. For this one, um, I think he's got the, the ability to be an Olympic, uh, individual Olympic champion, um, but very wary of Higino and Seto, the, the two Japanese swimmers in their home country. That They've been 155 low before. It's whether what sort of form we see those guys in, but, but they've got the talent to go 155, 154 um, in this final. Mate, absolutely. I agree with you. Um, I'm going to chuck Mitch Larkin in there on the podium. I, I think he was a little bit underdone in the trials. I think he's got a little bit more to give. To your point, I think that IM has been a, a sort of a uh, something he's really focused on for a bit now, especially in those last few years, as I said, since moving to Dean Boxel. And uh, I think he's going to surprise some people in this one. Um, mm-hmm. The men's 100 fly. Uh, we move to, this is going to be day eight, Saturday, the 31st. Again, don't forget, people, the finals will kick off at 11.30 a.m. For anyone who's actually listening because I haven't mentioned it, it's going to be on Channel 7. For anyone who's under a rock, it'll be on Channel 7 here in Australia. Um, yeah, the men's 100 fly, Dressel, Mirlac, 
this is where I want to mention um, my man, Matthew Temple, who really, really impressed me at trials, especially in this race. This race, um, you know, as I said, especially um, massive fan. James Guy, uh, obviously, in this race as well. Chad LeClow, Tom Shields, um, Minikov. Um, mate, it's a who's who field. This is going to be another mouth-watering race. How do you see this one going down? Yeah, I think Dressel all the way. I think this is Dressel's most dominant of his individual events, the fact that he can go 49-5, which is his world record, um, and he can go 49 multiple times whenever he wants. He's, he's just that explosive and that powerful that, you know, clearly puts him into into favourite Um Christoph Milak, you know, he went 50-point low or 50.1 at Euros a month yep. ago, you know, ass- assuming he was untapered for that meet. That's that's just incredible, but but he's more on the 200-meter side. So I think he's a clear second. Um, I don't think I don't think he can challenge dress. I just don't think he's got that sort of speed. And then it should be a really good battle for third. Um, this does come at the end of the Olympics where guys could be tired or guys with heavy programs um could start to fatigue and, and that's what can play into matt temple's hands he, he should be relatively fresh coming into day day six or day seven of the meet whenever this semi and final is on and again if he can go close to his 50.4 or even improve that that puts him into a medal winning position if he goes 50 point high then then i think there's a lot of guys that can do that as well being being you know james guy chad leclerc minikov um Matella from france there's a lot of potential 50 points there um but but temple is definitely capable and and he even though he's relatively inexperienced he he had a great trials and what we've seen from him um two years ago in Guangzhou as, as a rookie was that he 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 steps up on those high pressure moments as well he, he executes his relay swims well um you know he's got the the endurance of a 200 fly he's also got the sp- speed of 100 meter freestyler so um i think temple's a legitimate podium chance in this event too but but dressel dressel to win mate 100 percent dressel to win uh, matthew temple is my smoky to to pick up a medal here um you know to your point i think i mentioned this to you the other night i, I think his inexperience is going to play into his favor with all these other guys coming in and obviously having things that they're used to and having, uh, you know, situations in big events that they're used to having these sort of structures and systems in place. He's coming in fairly fresh. I actually not, I don't think we're going to see the best of him at this Olympics. I think we're going to see the best of him in 2024, which makes me more excited, but I, I think he's going to surprise some people here uh, and get on the podium, which is, is going to be massive for him as a young athlete and for Australia. Mm. Mate, we moved to the mixed. The mixed. We missed it in the in the women's chat. We're going to go to the mixed four by one IM relay. Um, I guess we can yeah. have a rough guess at, at what our relay would look like, but I think you have a better idea of it than me. Yeah, I think in, in terms of the Aussies, uh, I think they could swim Kaylee on, on the backstroke leg. Um, I think it comes just after a semi or a final that she has. So I know that was sort of a worry doing a 20 minute double. Um, it also depends if Mitch Larkin goes 52 meter or 52 low, then, then he's a good option to lead off the men like they did two years ago. But, you know, Mitch was only 53 point at, at the trials recently. Um, so that one's a bit um, of a, of, of a decision to make. And then also, you know, two years ago australia won this event we'll say that at world at the world champs but they went lark and matt wilson on the breaststroke and we know matt wilson wasn't in his best form a month ago so this aussie team could look completely different but 
whenever you put Emma McKean and Kate Campbell at the end, it's going to be strong. So they could go, again, Larkin, Wilson or Stubblity Cook into McKean Campbell, mm-hmm. or they could go something like Kaylee McEwen, um, Chelsea Hodges into Temple and Kyle Chalmers. Like, but we'd be so far behind leading off with two females up against most teams, presumably leading off um, off off male swimmers. So, you know, China broke the world record in this, this event. I think earlier this year or last year, people are sort of sleeping on that fact. Um, you know, they don't have a history of performing um, in international relays, China, but but they are the world record holders. They got mm-hmm. Zhu Zhaoyu on the backstroke. There's Zhang for the female butterfly who's been 55 point. But the team that beats the Americans with um, with with Murphy, King, Caleb Dressel, and whoever else they want to pick on that. Like there's Lily King and Caleb Dressel are just too dominant in their each individual strokes, I think, for for anybody to beat them. Um, so I'm gonna go gonna go the US to win. And and um, I know people are rating Great Britain as well <clears throat> with Petey's breaststroke leg to come. So Great Britain can find themselves on the podium too. Hundred percent, mate. We'll click to Sunday, this is the last day uh, of the Olympic preparation in terms of pool swimming. Obviously, we've got the open water following the next week, but we kick off with the men's 50-metre freestyle. Just having a look at the list here with Dressel, uh, with Bruno from Brazil. You've got Ben Proud, Michael Andrews in there as well, Manadu. Who's going to say Manadu can't do well? God damn. Brent Hayden yeah. it's going around again, Brent <laughs> Hayden. Uh, obviously, Cam McAvoy, and, and what a great trials Cam had and putting himself back mm. on, on the mat. Well done to Cam. How do you see this one? Yeah, again, Dressel will start hot favourite in, in this event. You know, he's, he's been 20.9 or 21.0 in textile. He's very close to that world record. But in the last two Olympics, the hot favourite, the unbeatable favourite going into the final hasn't won. Mm-hmm. You know, Manadu was undefeated leading into 2016, defending Olympic and world champ, and he got pipped. Um, going back to 2012, it was it was Caesar Cielo was, was that man, undefeated last four years going in, and he got beat at the big one. So can that happen again? We'll, we'll sort of wait and see, but he he is as dominant as dominant can be in this 50-metre freestyle dressel. Um when he has had a bad swim, it's when the guys next to him have matched him off the start. Um, and I know that's what his, his competitors know that about him. So those other guys with a good start, Ben Proud, um, Manadu, if if people can put pressure on Dressel over that first 20 metres, then he's susceptible to having a slow swim and somebody could beat him. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's going to happen, but that's in the past that's been the way to, be, to beat dressel um especially in the short course pool so i'm going to go dressel um ahead of um ben proud and and manadu I, I think manadu can have a big swim out of an outside lane to um get himself on the podium i'm going to go the upset man i'm going to go ben proud to your point i think he's got an electric start how quick is he off the blocks and no no pun intended um <laughs> And, and I think um, coming in, he's got one of the fastest swims of, of this year with 21.4. I think he can go a little bit quicker. And I think just that explosiveness off that first 20 metres. So um, it's going to be an exciting race to watch. The men's 1,500-metre freestyle um, is, the, is the last, I guess, individual event of, of the meet for the men's. Um, how do you see this one? Yeah, this this is an awesome. This was an awesome race internationally at the last couple of big meets, um, and I've had the privilege to commentate them. With you know, very rarely do you see 
a head-to-head battle in the 1500, let alone a three-way battle, you know, and that's what we've got in Guangzhou two years ago with, with just Wellbrook, Romanchuk and Pouchineri, the, the three Europeans just sitting off each other. And, you know, Pouchineri, again, w- without any speed at the end of his races, he's got to be the pace setter. He's, he's got to push push it and try and grind it out. But Wellbrook from Germany and, and Romanchuk have just got too much speed at the end of the race. So, um, you know, I like Wellbrook in this race. He's, he's the way he finished that 1500 two years ago with, with the kick that he's got. He looks like he's got flippers for feet. He's going to be very, very dangerous. Um, you know, in saying that, Pouchinari is the defending Olympic champion. You've got to give the respect to him. And if he can go back to back, then then he puts himself in the names of Perkins Hackett and Salnikov and, and everybody. So, um, you know, without Sun Yang just dominating this event like he did for a few years, it's turned into a race. Mm-hmm. It's turned entertaining. Like, it's a really good 15 minutes to watch for me as a fan. But, um, yeah, I'm on Wellbrook. Yeah, well, credit to those three blokes, as you said, to, to turn it into a race that you don't just sort of go, oh, this is on, I'm going to make a sandwich. Because, you, <laughs> you know, with these three guys going head-to-head, there's, it becomes more of a strategic race. So it's interesting to watch that and who goes out harder who really does descend those three 500s? How do they race it? Is someone working in and out of their turns a bit quicker? As you said, I, I think it's going to be really uh, entertaining. You're a bit more qualified to, to you know, give a, a, a you know, a, a guess on these ones than me. So I'll, let, I'll leave that one with you. We finished with the men's four by 100 meter. I am, um, you know, you, you can go through the names and the lists and the different countries. This is going to be a great race to finish. Uh, in the pool in Tokyo. Yeah, well, this is one of those races where one absolutely electric split will just throw the whole race on its head. And that's what we saw two years ago with, with the Great Britain team beating the US. It's the first time the US has ever lost this at a world or an Olympic level when they've been in that final. And Petey, obviously, so dominant on the breaststroke, he's got the ability to split 56 points. And Duncan Scott went 46-1. And just touched out Nathan Asian. So one of these splits can just put it on its head. Five years ago, Ryan Murphy led off in a world record on the backstroke leg on the last day of the Olympic Games. Mm-hmm. Like that's so incredibly difficult to do emotionally and physically and and everything to get yourself up for that relay. Um, again, the US normally win this, but they normally have Michael Phelps somewhere to use. They don't have that anymore, but they do have Dressel who's, so dominant on the fly and considering the second best butterflies from Hungary who won't feature in this, he's even more dominant, you know? Yeah. So this is where we need Matt Temple to have a really good swim if we want to be there. And for the other teams, for Great Britain, it'll be James Guy who will probably go in ahead of Dressel on the fly leg. And then, you know, assuming Dressel touches ahead by whatever half second or one second, It'll be Duncan Scott chasing down the American freestyle. Is probably going to be Zach Apple. So, you know, it's it, you know we'll know a lot more by the last day about individually how everybody's going. But again, you, you can't. You just it's very difficult to tip against the US in relays, especially medley relays with their depth. So I'll, I'll go the US ahead of Great Britain and Russia. 
As you said, um, <laughs> mate, to be honest, people could listen to this back in three weeks' time and think we just sound ridiculous with, with some of the predictions because who knows what happens behind the blocks? Who knows who gets sick? Who knows who's injured? Who's this? Who's that? We, we don't. Who maybe, we, who's- maybe that's a podcast for us to do in three weeks. It's like reviewing our tips, <laughs> and seeing how genius we were or how absolutely ridiculous our tips yeah. were. Or how, yeah, just start laughing at ourselves. Like, remember when we thought Dressel this- gets COVID and he's just out of the way. I was just you know? about to say, how, those four. <laughs> people we mentioned got COVID they weren't even in the race yeah yeah. Uh, all right mate we'll wrap it up there thank you very much uh Bobby for coming on mate and helping me go through this as I said you're the expert here you're the man who's been there and done that and uh I don't think anyone wants to sit here and listen to me gibber on about it so you were definitely the man for the job I appreciate it I thought you brought a lot more knowledge uh than I do to it so thank you very much Thank you to everybody for listening. Bobby, just before we go, mate, what are, you, what are your thoughts about the week coming up? Excited? What are you predicting? How do you see it going? Super excited for it. Again, Sydney's in lockdown right now and, and half of Australia's in lockdown, so it's a really good time to, to sit in front of the TV and, and, and soak up some swimming. And I think, you know, it looks like Australia and Brisbane's going to get the 2032 Olympic Games. So, you know what I'm telling the swimmers in my club. If you're a if you're an eight to twelve year old swimmer right now, and the Olympics are coming up in eleven years time, that's that's a huge inspiration and motivation for families just just to start dreaming and just to just to just to imagine and just to get inspired by by what they see this week on the TV. So I, as a fan, as a coach, commentator, ex athlete, I'm just super pumped to watch eight days of of world class swimming. Mate, well said. I couldn't have said it better myself. Get around the TV, guys. Make sure you're watching it. Don't forget the heats will be at 8 o'clock on TV, 8 p.m., by the way, on Channel 7. Uh, finals will be during the day from 11.30 to 1.30 during the days. Um, good luck to all of the Aussie athletes, anyone that listens to the podcast. Uh, go well, go strong, go hard. Everybody get around the Olympic Games. It is very exciting. As you said, Bobby, we're all sitting at home. So what you've got nothing else to do, get around the TV, get your pom-poms, get up, start cheering, and uh, let's cheer on the Aussies for a great uh, week of Olympic Games. Thank you very much, Bobby, and we'll chat soon. Thanks, Robbie. See ya. Cheers, mate.